My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Joey about hydratinitis superativa, or HS. According to Healthline.com, hydratinitis superativa is a skin condition that takes many forms, including small, pimple-like bumps, deeper, acne-like nodules, or even boils. Although it's not a form of acne, it's sometimes referred to as acne inversa. The lesions are usually painful and appear in areas where skin rubs together, such as your armpits or groin. After these lesions heal, scars and tracts can develop under your skin. This chronic condition affects up to 2% of the population. Joey will talk to us today about how this disease has impacted every aspect of his life, affecting him physically, mentally, and emotionally. Joey initially fought against this diagnosis because one of the best treatments is to clean up your lifestyle, to not smoke, not drink, eat healthy, exercise. And he was first diagnosed about 15 years ago, around 16 or 17 years old. And the last thing he wanted to do at that age was dedicate his life to the discipline it would require to manage HS. But as you'll hear through this conversation, Joey's eventual acceptance and integration of HS into his identity was an incredibly positive thing for him. And now that he's become an HS advocate, he views this as his life's purpose. I'd never heard of this disease before, and I learned a ton during this episode. And I also had a really great time talking to Joey. We talk a lot on this show about how living through a major pain can bring positive change to your life in ways that you'd never expect. And this conversation illustrates that beautifully. So I'm so excited to share this with you today. Another fantastic episode of the podcast, and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. We are only a couple months away from the two-year anniversary of Major Pain. And just like we did for the one-year anniversary, I'm going to put together an episode where I reach out to past podcast guests and get some updates on their health journeys. So I wanted to put out the call early this time, give myself a little more time to put this together. So if you are a previous podcast guest, and if you have an update to your story that you'd like to share with the rest of our audience, please reach out to me, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. I would love to include as many people as possible. So if you're interested, definitely reach out as soon as you can, and we will schedule a short recording, probably around 15 to 20 minutes. My health has continued to improve recently since starting my mast cell activation syndrome medication. I'm actually, I'm, I'm starting to get really surprised at how much better I've been doing so quickly. It's been a little overwhelming, but it's been wonderful. It's been fantastic. I'm improving in ways that I didn't expect that I would. Something that I've, I think I've mentioned on the show before is that, you know, for the last six years, I've been having a lot of issues with my sinuses and it got really hard for me to sing. I used to be, uh, you know, a rock musician and a performer, sci-fi synth pop artist. <laughs> and I used to do a lot of singing and it got really, really difficult to get notes to come out and to hold pitches. And I'm not, I still don't really understand why, but for some reason with this mast cell activation syndrome medication, even that has been improving. I've been able to start going on jogs more regularly. I set a jogging goal for myself and I met it within a couple of weeks. My energy level's improving. My sleep is improving. It really feels like just everything across the board in my entire body has been getting re better recently. And I, you know, I still don't have an official diagnosis, but this is this is remarkable. I mean, there must be something here. Of course, I'm one to research, so I've been doing a lot of reading about, about MCAS, and we also did a great episode on the podcast about it. And each new piece of information that I get, each new supplement or medication that I've tried, all of it has helped. 
everything is helping. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Everything's working all of a sudden. It's, it's an absolutely incredible time in my life right now. I feel like I'm being reborn into this new person and it feels just surprising every day. On the flip side of that, my partner, Andy, who's been on the show many times before, uh, including her own episode where she talked about her pituitary adenoma, she has been having a hard time with her health, and it has gotten harder and harder recently. We mentioned a while back that she actually had a vocal hemorrhage where she had to go on complete vocal rest and let her uh, vocal cords heal. And unfortunately, a, a few weeks ago, this actually happened a second time. So now that it's happened twice, Andy has to go in for surgery and have this weak spot on her vocal cords lasered in the hopes that it will heal better and stop hemorrhaging in the future. And on top of that, Andy has really been struggling with her pituitary adenoma, her medication that she was on, the side effects were so bad that she had to go off the medication. And then, of course, her prolactin level rose because she's not medicating anymore, and now she's having extreme side effects from that. So she's kind of trapped between these two bad options. And the third option is surgery, which is something that she's very heavily considering. So she's going through a lot. And I just feel so lucky that it's happening in a moment in our lives where I'm able to pick up the slack, where she's no longer having to care for me as much as she has been throughout the entirety of our relationship, because my flare-up started right before she and I even met. And now she's able to lean on me because I have so much more energy and I can take care of her for a change, um, which I'm so grateful to be able to do. But, you know, obviously we want to be both feeling good at the same time. But there's a lot going on here, and Andy and I actually sat down and recorded a whole episode about this. This is our bonus episode for the month of February. The two of us talked about this sort of flip-flop in our dynamic in our relationship. Uh, we gave a lot more details about how I'm doing and how she's doing and talk through this whole thing in a lot of detail. It was a really, really good conversation. She told me, you know, that she felt a lot better after having this conversation, but you can even hear it in her voice at the beginning that she's struggling. So... Yeah, definitely not our our normal sort of buoyant monthly bonus episode, but it was a really important one that I am, you know, I'm very proud to share. So if you are already a member of our Patreon community, you have access to this episode, and I will put a link in the show notes of this podcast. If you have not yet joined our Patreon community and you are interested in supporting this podcast while gaining access to bonus content, special recognition, and gifts, including major pain coasters and tote bags... Be sure to check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Extra special thank you to our Patreon producers supporting this show at the highest tier of $25 per month, Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. This show is completely listener-funded, and it needs your support. There's a lot of great ways to support this show. Patreon is the most direct financial support that we receive, but you can also leave us a one-time donation on PayPal using our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a positive rating and review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other platform that you can find our show. You can follow the podcast on social media on TikTok and Instagram at majorpainpodcast. And we do technically still have a Twitter at Major Pain Pod, although I have not been using it again. I'm so bad with the Twitter. I tried to get some momentum going with the Twitter, but then Elon Musk took over and I just fell off again. But it still technically exists. You can share the show with a friend or in a support group that you're a part of. And of course, you can also earn money while supporting this podcast by signing up to participate in research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice. If you sign up using our affiliate link, rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast, you will be supporting this show at the same time while you can set yourself up to earn an average of $100 per hour 
answering questions about your disease. If you have a diagnosis of any kind, it does not need to be a rare disease. Sign up with Rare Patient Voice. Let them know what your disease is, or you can put in multiple diagnoses if you have them, and they will reach out to you when they have a survey or a research study applicable to your situation. Complete that study and you get paid. It's a super cool opportunity, great way to not only support this podcast, but to support the chronic illness and disability community in general. I'll remind you as always that my guests and I are not medical professionals. The goal of this podcast is to bring you firsthand accounts from people living with chronic illness and disability not to provide medical advice. So please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting with your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic episode with Joey about hydratinitis superativa. Joey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jesse. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, you know, I, I saw you advocating for your disease on Instagram, and it was a disease I've never heard of. So, of course, I have to reach out and ask if you'd be willing to come on the show. So excited you're here. Thank you for sharing your time with us today. Absolutely. It's an honor and it's a pleasure. And thank you for uh, creating this beautiful podcast. I've, I've uh, listened to your story in a couple episodes so far, and you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you and so I'm much. <laughs> yes. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, well, let's get to know you a little bit, Joey. So why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Joey Torrey. I was originally from Brooklyn, New York. Now I live in Connecticut and um, I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm an uncle, a proud uncle. I love my nephew and three nieces. Also, I'm a proud dog dad. He's uh, sitting beside me right now, relaxing. He's actually being a good boy, which is surprising. <laughs> and I, I work full time at a, at a school as a security supervisor. And I've been doing that for over 10 years. And I enjoy the work because I get to interact with so many people from different walks of life. And I also create content to raise awareness for hydrina, not a super receiver, or we like to say HS. And I feel like that's my life's uh, passion, purpose to uh, help people emotionally heal from chronic illness when it comes to HS. Awesome. That's beautiful. What what caused you to leave New York? Well, at the time, I was about uh, 15, I want to say, and I was living with my mother, my grandfather, my brother, and we were living in the house. Long story short, they ended up s selling the house. Mm. We couldn't find anything reasonably priced in Brooklyn. So my uncle was helping us out and he found a few locations here in Connecticut. And we basically landed in uh, Bridgeport and we just kind of settled here. But my mother, she's back in Brooklyn, along with my sister, just me and my brother live out here in Connecticut, but we live in two separate apartments. Yeah. So I just stuck out here because, you know, I have good, good job. I have a roof over my head. So it's working for me now. Awesome. Very cool. And what breed is your dog? He is a Chihuahua, Chihuahua, uh, Terrier crossbreed. But if he can tell you, he thinks he's a Rottweiler. <laughs> yeah. I had a, a small dog. He, he passed away uh, a little while ago at 17. He was an old man, but he was small and he thought he was huge. I, I feel like small dogs have this big dog complex. Absolutely. I don't know if it's just with me, if he's just protecting me, because uh, last week I left town. I went to Atlanta 
And I hired a couple dog walkers and they said they had no problems walking him. Like when he saw other dogs, he didn't react. And I'm like, maybe he's just doing that with me to protect me because he was, he was, he was a good boy when they took him for a walk. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's the deal with that. But yeah, he's your little Chihuahua guard dog. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, you mentioned the name of your disease, so I'm so curious to get into this. So, Joey, what what is your major pain? So, my major pain is hydronotus superativa, or as we like to say, HS, because it's a mouthful. You know, <laughs> I've been living with this condition for over 15 years, and even now, I still feel like I butcher it sometimes. You know, it's just it's just hard to pronounce, and most importantly, it's hard to live with. Mm. Uh, it impacts every aspect of someone's life, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, and it's classified as a chronic skin disease where uh, you typically form abscesses, lesions. There's a lot of terminology uh, in the sense of like uh, the symptoms forming abscesses, lesions, and particularly the sweat gland areas. So armpits, groins, buttocks, um, but I've experienced uh, outbreaks or flare-ups, as we would say in the community, flare-ups uh, behind my neck, uh, on my face. So even though like uh, typ typical areas like where uh, sweat glands are, that's where flares are most mostly um, occur. It's, you know, I've met many people where for instance, you know, they'll get a flare on their arm or their face, and that's not like a typical area a flare would normally occur. Mm. So basically, mm -hmm. like, for no reason, your skin will just open up. You'll have like a, a sore or an abscess, just like bleeding and painful, and you just have Ab to find a way to get that to heal. Right. Absolutely. So um, studies have shown there's no direct reason, you know, um, there are factors that could make the condition worse. Like for me personally, like some of my triggers are like when I was smoking, when I was drinking dairy. Um, some people are triggered by nitrates. Some people are triggered by gluten. Mm. So it's just like um, there's so many factors and triggers, but doctors still don't know the root cause. Wow. Your, your, your weight couldn't play a factor, but then again, it's like, how does my, how can my weight play a factor where I've known, I know several people who weigh less than me and you know, they, it seems like their HS is 10 times worse than my situation. Hmm. Yeah. Can you get like an abscess internally or is it only externally on your skin? As far as I know, externally. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And are there any, you know, like comorbidities with this? Like, you know, some diseases will come with different uh, like chronic pain or fatigue or anything like that? Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you pronounced that name, that term, because I was uh, thinking about it all day and I didn't want to butcher that. But um, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, HS is, like I said earlier, it's a, it's, it, it affects every aspect of your life. It's more than a physical skin condition. It, it impacts your life mentally. Um, uh, psychologically in a sense of anxiety, depression, you get a lot of anxiety because you think of if you have an existing flare that's going to erupt uh, and you're scheduled to participate in an event, go out to a dinner, 
that's constantly on your mind. Mm. You know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I, I've done this plenty of times and I still do it. Like, you know, I can't participate in certain events because I have a flare and I'm scared of it leaking and causing a scene. So that's on my mind 24 seven. And, um, it, 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 it forces you to isolate yourself as much as you don't want to be, but you know, you have these thoughts in the back of your mind, like, you know, it's just embarrassing when, when you think about it. So it's definitely, you know, uh, more than one illness, I would say anxiety, depression, and fatigue. Fatigue is mm -hmm. a, a, a main, uh, symptom for me when it comes to HS, like just this, uh, just this morning prior to doing this interview, um, I woke up and I got about eight and a half hours of sleep. I still wasn't feeling completely refreshed. So I went about my day. I went to go walk uh, my dog. I came back upstairs. I drank some coffee and I was just, you know, kind of lounging around on the couch and just trying to reserve my energy because I know I had to do this interview. And then I started to become hungry. And there's a corner store like a couple blocks away from me. And it was kind of running short on time. And I had to decide between taking a nap or going to the store because you factor in the time of walking up a couple blocks and waiting for the sandwich and coming back. That would have taken up so much time. So ultimately, I had to decide to just like hold off on eating and just take the nap because I need to reserve my energy because I wanted to do this interview. I wanted to feel refreshed. And that's something that I have to live with on a daily basis. Like, I work in the evenings and luckily I'm able to work in the evenings because it works out better for me because I can kind of ease into my day because I can get eight to nine hours of rest and still not feel refreshed. So I have to constantly take a nap to kind of just physically and psychologically prepare me for the day. Yeah. It sounds like there's a huge amount of discipline involved with living with HS. Like you had to eliminate so many things from your diet change habits, uh, and then learn how to manage your fatigue, which is really difficult. I mean, I, I deal with this as well of like, if I want to do something later in the afternoon, I have to kind of give up the whole morning, you know, sometimes, or if I want to do something in the evening, I have to give up the afternoon and just rest and make sure Absolutely. that I can show up for things. Um, and that's, it's really frustrating. You know, that there's a lot of, of looking at other people's energy levels and thinking, well, this just isn't fair. They can do whatever they want. And I've got to budget my energy because it's limited. Absolutely. Well said. And on the other side, I feel like sometimes people may think that uh, someone with HS is kind of over-exaggerating, but it's really, you know, it takes a lot of discipline, as you said, and, and a lot of um, thinking as far as, you know, reserving your energy and it sucks because sometimes you can express to people uh, you don't have it in you and you don't know if they are subconsciously thinking you're just trying to blow them off. Mm. But I try to be as transparent as possible with people and, and just try to make it up whenever I'm feeling good, you know, because there's there are a lot of days where I have to reschedule and have to cancel plans just because of HS. And I just don't have it in me some days. And. I just try to be transparent with the people that I love and hopefully they understand. And I try to make it up in ways where, you know, on a good day, I reach out to them and say, Hey, you want to go for a walk, a nature walk or grab a cup of coffee. And sometimes that's all I have in me, you know, and they want me to do other things and it's disappointed. It's very disappointing at times. Absolutely. I totally relate to that. And you know, the people that love you and understand will be okay with you rescheduling. 
you know? Um, But there's always that feeling of guilt of like, oh, this is my fault. I want to show up and I can't. And that's my fault. Even if it's not really your fault, you know, it's like you're doing what your body is requiring of you. But there's still that social element that feels like you've done something wrong. And I I, I feel this, uh, I felt this so many times throughout my life. And it, it always stays uncomfortable. Right. Absolutely. And you mentioned discipline. It does take a lot of discipline because a few years ago, I was a big time smoker. I would smoke cigarettes every day and um, I did enjoy drinking and I had to sacrifice, you know, uh, those uh, that way of life for a a healthier life, a a life of sobriety. And um, it's been it's been challenging but it's well worth the sacrifice. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat too. And you know, there, I feel so much better uh, when I, when I live healthily and I, you know, I'm very careful about my diet. I don't drink anything anymore. Um, You know, I used to play in bands and there was a lot of smoking happening and for, and I used to smoke sometimes. um, And just like having to let go of all of that, freedom that feeling of like i get to have fun and and do like and be easy and you know and just do all the things that people are doing that are fun um but it's not fun when it doesn't work with your health condition and you're making yourself worse it be- it just feels so much better to just let those things go there's always going to be a little bit of a sadness and a feeling of being left out a little bit but absolutely but then you can show up in ways that you wouldn't be able to otherwise you know for me like if if I, if I drink, I can get really sick. So, you know, now that right. I have a better sense of what's happening with my body than I did originally, like avoiding histamine for me is really important. So I can't eat any, mm-hmm. you know, low histamine diet. There's histamine in alcohol. Um, alcohol is fermented. I have to avoid, avoid all things that are fermented. Um, and I've cheated on that a couple of times since learning this about myself. And the last time I got sick for like two weeks, you know, and, and it's just, you know, huge amount of time loss for one right. night of just kind of going going wild which feels so good and like having that release is so important but it's right. not worth it you know it's really not worth it to lose two weeks of productivity and two weeks of being like sick on the couch uh because i overloaded my body with histamine it's not worth it absolutely and you literally took in the words out of my mouth mouth because i was having this conversation last week about like because I haven't smoked a cigarette in over eight years and I, I've been uh, sober from alcohol in over two years. And I see the change dramatically in a good way. And when I was drinking, say, for instance, I'll go out, like you said, on a night out of town, have a good time. It felt like it would take me two weeks to get back to 100 mm. percent. You know, like if I'm going through a hangover, it may take someone who's healthy with no chronic illness a couple of days to like get back to 100 percent. But it constantly felt like it was way longer. It took me way longer, a week, maybe a week and a half. I just couldn't think clearly. Um, And I just constantly felt tired all the time. So when you mix the fatigue that comes along with HS and the fatigue and lethargicness that comes along with uh, being hungover, it's just a, it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And I had to learn that the hard way. And I had to say to myself, like, listen, you have to give this up as much as you may enjoy it. 
it's just not worth it. I, I just can't function, especially now being being an advocate, like too many people rely on me. And like, I, I take that I take that very seriously. If somebody sends me a message and open up uh, about them having HS to me, like if I was drinking, I don't think I would be the person that I am today because like I'm just more disciplined and focused. And this is my purpose. I have to do this in order to stay on track. And I love that because it, you found a way to keep yourself going, to fuel yourself by putting yourself in this position to, you know, represent your community and to, you know, put a little bit of responsibility around the way that you uh, treat your own body beyond yourself makes it easier to keep that discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not easy. I'm not perfect. I still struggle with my diet. Like I haven't given up dairy completely because I'm a pizza eater, but I'll try to make, you know, uh, alternatives as far as like almond milk. And if I can go without the cheese, I'll do it. But I think I'm going to get back into experimenting more with uh, diet control and eliminate certain foods, maybe gluten because I've I've read and uh, studies online that gluten is a factor to uh, making your HS worse. So I need to experiment more with the elimination diet. It's tough. It's it's really hard because when right. you when you start to peel off all these different vices, you know, no smoking, no drinking, no gluten, no cheese. Right. Then you get to this point where you're like, what am I living for? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I need something to lean on. Um, and you know, I still have plenty of, like, I, I was using, uh, cannabis products for years for chronic pain and now I can't do that anymore either. You know, I just like, like yesterday I'm doing so much better with my health. Yesterday morning, I had like four hours where I felt normal and I was like running around doing errands, doing yard work at the, at the new house. Um, and just like. I went to the grocery store. I did so much. I'm like, wow, I'm just like living like a person. And then I started to crash later on in the day. And then I had like a full-blown flare-up, which I haven't had in a while. So I still don't know where my limits are. And I just like went into flare-up territory just from doing too much. Um, Right. And then last night, I'm like, man, I haven't had a flare-up like this in, in a while. So what can I do? And I reached for, you know, my vape pen for my, my like CBD, like THC products and I right. got so much worse. And it's just like, it feels unfair because it's this thing that got me through such a long time. But once I got on the right medication, like cannabis stopped working for me. And I don't even understand that still. But it's just now it makes me worse. So now I have to avoid that too. And it's like, right. I need something, you know, there's got to be some sort of vice that I can lean on to, to blow off steam or to, you know, to lean on something when I'm not feeling well. And you know, of course, I've got like TV and video games and things right. that make me feel better, things that I love. Um, but then also just having to kind of build up some discipline to just not do a lot of these things. It just kind of sucks, you know, but it's so it I feel so much better because of it. That's what keeps me going. And whenever I like fall off the wagon on my diet, like last week, I'm like, I'm so sick of cooking every meal. I just want right. to order food. I just want to order food. And I ordered like carne asada nachos. completely outside of my diet you know i can't have guacamole i can't have um most cheese i can have fresh cheese but no like aged cheese um and i can't have tomatoes and i can't have salsa like all these things that have histamine in them and i'm just like i need my nachos and i just ordered them and ate them and i felt 
miserable, like so sick. My whole body's just aching and I can barely move. It's right. Like, it's like, okay, I got to remind myself every once in a while why this isn't worth it. You know, I know it's not worth it, but sometimes I can't hold that information long enough to stop myself from eating the nachos, but then I'll do it. And it's like, yep, can't do that. <laughs> right. Well said. And that's, that's why I feel like I struggle with my diet right now is because like prior to, uh, not making no sacrifices as far as like eliminating alcohol and smoking cigarettes, that was that form of re release. Mm. So now I have that anymore. But when the weekends come, I look forward to eating something tasty. So that's kind of like my release in the sense of like, like you were saying also too, like I enjoy watching television and movies and video games. I just, um, I'm very excited about, I don't know if you played the Nintendo switch, but they uh, released double seven. Oh yeah. For, Goldeneye, yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with Hades right now on the Switch. Have you played yeah. Hades? I haven't. I heard I've heard good things about that game, but I haven't. Yeah, I love it, and you know what? It is like replacing a lot of my vices and the fact that it's like when I'm getting tired, out busy doing whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I really need to start resting, and then the idea of coming home and getting to lie down and play some Hades, like, kind of gives me that fuel in the same way it's like okay right. well, i'm gonna have some nachos later you know it, it there are always substitutes this is what i'm learning about chronic illness there's always a substitute and even with like a really strict diet you can find things to make inside of it that you love so i have all these new meals that i make myself now and you know every once in a while someone you know i, I get so sick of cooking every meal for myself and every once in a while someone else will make something for me inside of my diet and that's just so nice you know like such right. a great relief, but I've just, you, there's substitutes for everything. So there's substitute for vices, substitutes for food. There is no substitute for, for listening to your body. Like that's where the line is in the sand. I feel it's like, you got to do what your body tells you to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree, man. This is so fun. <laughs> I'm having a blast, but I, I haven't even asked you about the history yet of your, of your disease. Let's go back. So you said, right. You've been living this with this for 15 years. How old were you when this first started happening? And right. was it just like out of nowhere, all of a sudden you start getting like sores and abscesses that must have completely freaked you out? Yeah. So I actually remember, remember like one of the first days that I experienced an abscess or a boil. Um, and I, I think I was around maybe 16 or 17. This past Thursday was my birthday. So I'm 34 years old now. Mm. So, um, been 15, 16 years that I've been living with HS. But the first time that I had experience with, I would say, a boil, I was like 16 and I had just moved up to Connecticut. I just got my first job working at a friendly's restaurant. And I was working the evening shift and I was really excited about working there. It was a good environment. Like I said, I love food. They have great food and ice cream. I don't know if you've ever been to a friendly's, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you've probably seen, I'm sure you've seen the ice cream in supermarkets, the friendly ice cream. I haven't. I'm on the I'm on the West Coast, so it might be a, an East Coast thing. Okay, yeah. So they're pretty popular out here. And um, I was working at Friendly's at the time, and I was getting ready to go into work, but I was feeling off, like just completely off. Like uh, I, I felt like I had a fever. I felt lethargic, and I felt this pain like 
on my backside, like the top of my uh, buttocks area. And it was swollen. It was tight. I, I told my mother to take a look at it. She was like, yeah, I think you got a pimple, but it looks much bigger. So I didn't really think much of it. At the time, I just kind of like powered through the day. I just took like some aspirin and drank a cup of coffee and just said, you know, I'm going to go on a, about my day. So I ended up going to work, going going to work, powering through the shift. And um, I just come home. When I finally come home, I just feel like I can't really move in a particular way because it's just so much pain. And I'm so now I'm home and I'm laying down on my bed and I asked my mother to come in, into my room and I'm like, Mom, can you check the area where the, the pimple was? And, you know, she tells me to lay on my stomach and she checks it, checks the area. She's like, oh, my God, it's like so inflamed. It's about to burst. So she she goes in the kitchen and she goes get some uh, some like uh, warm compresses to try to bring the fluid to her head and stuff. So it ends up popping and the smell was just like horrendous. It was just awful. It was the worst thing that I ever smelled in years. And I was just like, where did this come from? Like, I, I don't know, like, how did this happen? So fast forward to the next day, I end up going to the urgent care and I show them the area. And the doctor's basically like, oh, it's just a boil. Sometimes it just happens, you know. Um, and that was basically his answer. And he ended up prescribing me some antibiotics. He was like, take some antibiotics, you'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, take the antibiotics. It clears up. A few weeks later, this same reoccurring boil appears along with another friend. So I'm like, what the heck? And that kind of went on for a couple of years in my uh, remedy was just to go back to like urgent cares and get uh, antibiotics to clear up the infection. And that's what uh, it went on like that for a few years and really didn't think nothing of it in the sense of like being more than boils because that's what the doctors were telling me. Oh, it's just reoccurring boils, reoccurring boils. So in my head, it's like, it's, it feels like it's more than that, but it's not like I'm just sitting back and disregarding the fact, like I'm going to the doctor and this is what the doctor is telling me. But deep down, I think it's something bigger. So I went on living like that for like a couple years, just visiting, uh, revisiting uh, urgent cares, different urgent cares. And they were telling me the same thing, reoccurring boils. Okay, fine. So I finally got fed up and I said, you know what? I'm going to make an appointment with a specialist, a dermatologist. <clears throat> I end up making an appointment with the dermatologist. And now we're in the room and a dermatologist says, why are you here? I tell him why I'm here. He says, uh, can I take a look at them? So at the time, I still had the boils on my backside, a couple in my underarm and my groin area. And then when he looked at the ones on my underarm, he said, all right, you can put your arm down. And he was like, you have hydronitis superlativa. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> oh, and he's like, yeah, so it's a chronic skin disease. And then he starts telling me, like, what are some of the factors? You know, my life, I'll, I'll have to make lifestyle changes. I have to lose weight. But uh, we still don't know what's the direct cause of this disease. So it was a bittersweet moment for me because now I finally got relief in the sense of like, I knew it was something 
way more than just reoccurring boils. And here it is. But the words that stuck out to me were like chronic and lifelong. So when he gave me that news, it was a hard pill to swallow. I can imagine because I'm assuming that, you know, you're in your late teens, early 20s. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but that's the time in my life where I was the most self-conscious about everything. <laughs> like, I don't want to hear that. I want to party. I want to have a good time. I want to go out. I want to drink. And here you are just breaking the news to me. Like, you got to give up all of that. Yeah. And also, I mean, I'm assuming that you, for years, the years that you were dealing with this so far, you're probably just thinking like, we got to find a way to make this stop. Like this started, there must be a way for it to stop. And then to, right. to get that news, it's like, no, this is not going to stop. There are ways that you can learn how to manage it, but it's going to be with you the rest of your life. That's a lot to right. swallow at that age. It really was. And for a long time, I didn't really want to accept the diagnosis because it was just tough for me to process it. Like I remember that day being when I was diagnosed, going home and just telling my family and like no one could wrap their brain around it. And it was just like a short conversation and for a long time, I really didn't practice these better lifestyle changes because I really didn't want to accept it. So when I would keep getting these flares in the back of my mind is like, why is this happening? But now I know why this is happening, but I just didn't want to accept the news that I was different, that I had to make these lifestyle changes in order to prove my uh, illness. Yeah, totally. When did that shift occur where you finally accepted it? Maybe probably three, four years after accepting the news, it was a long, it was a long journey for me to really sit there and say, okay, like we have to really make changes. I just got sick of living with this, this illness and reoccurring boils. And, um, I decided to make a change. I would say three, four years later after receiving the diagnosis and really taking it serious and trying to slow down one leg at a time and started with uh, eliminating smoking. That was one of my, the hardest things to eliminate from my lifestyle. So I, I eventually gave up smoking cold turkey, but at the time, like the e-cigarettes were still kind of new on the market. So how that happened was I slowed down. I was smoking like a pack of cigarettes every day. And then I decreased the amount to like three or four cigarettes a day. And then eventually I said, let me try this e-cigarette. The blue cigarette was pretty popular at the time. And I'm smoking a blue cigarette now. No, no tobacco as far as like cigarettes. And I leave the blue cigarette in my locker at work for one weekend. Mm. And that same weekend I started drinking. But I didn't have no cigarette. I didn't have no e-cigarette. And I got through the entire weekend of drinking without any tobacco. So when Monday came around, I'm like, hold on. I went through a whole weekend of drinking and I didn't have one cigarette. Normally that goes hand in hand. So that got the ball rolling from there. I just said, we're going to take this one day at a time and see how this going. Ever since that day, it just kept going as far as like cutting out the tobacco. And then once one thing led to another as far as eliminating certain things in my diet, exercising more and stuff like that. Yeah. And I love I love that you just kind of had to prove to yourself that it was even possible to go without tobacco right. and then you could just keep doing it. What mm -hmm. what sort of change did this make in your symptoms when you've finally make these uh habit changes? Is it just, you know, the the symptoms would just happen less often? 
Yeah, and the flares would become less inflamed. I remember, especially when I was smoking cigarettes, like my my flares, they were just so hard. They were like rock hard. They were inflamed. And when they were oozed, the odor was just, it was just awful. And um, it was, there was more flares all over my body. But as I started to stop smoking tobacco, I would probably say I was, I saw positive improvements probably like two years later. Mm. Like, and um, it would, it would become less flares. The flares would become less. The odor wouldn't be as, as uh, pungent as it was when I was smoking the cigarettes and some of them would start to finally heal. So that's, that's when I said, okay, we're, we're on to something here. And that's where it kind of put me on the right path to making better, better lifestyle changes. What sort of exercise is helpful for HS? Well, it depends on the person, especially in the area where they get the flares. Mm. Me, I would try to do a lot of walking. I still do a lot of walking. And um, the treadmill is pretty good for me. So it, it really depends on the person. But I, I, I was there was one period where I was uh, doing a lot of just I still kind of just do a lot of cardio. I'm just able to try to work, make my workouts fit around like my flint. So it's kind of hard for, for me to say, like, this will work for you and that will that won't because I don't know where, you know, people's flares are, but for me, sure. it's cardio. Yeah. That's really interesting. If you're like having flares in your, maybe between your thighs, then walking might not right. be the right thing for you. Right. Yeah. And then maybe like a rowing machine or something with the upper arms. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I could see, I could see how that would be really personalized and individual. Um, mm -hmm. Have you looked into any of the research around HS uh, about, you know, is anyone researching like what is the cause? How how does this start? Or is it still pretty mysterious? Still pretty mysterious, as far as I know. Studies have shown it can be hereditary. Um, as far as I know, my, my my father, I knew him, but I didn't know him in the sense of like he was a dad that was there every day. He was like kind of in and out of my life. Mm. But I remember my mother telling me that uh, he did used to get boils. So I don't know if that was HS or it was just like just boils because I, I didn't have much of a re relationship with him to kind of pick his brain and get information to kind of, you know, line it up and kind of tell him, you know, dad, you had HS. And then my grandfather on my mother's side, he would get boils as well. And unfortunately, he passed away. I had a great relationship with my grandfather. Like if he was hit, still around to this day, I'll. I'll be able to have a conversation with him and pick his brain and be able to tell him, you know, I think you have HS because studies have shown it can be uh, hereditary, but there's no direct cause as far as I know, like, why is this happening? Environment plays a factor. Stress plays a factor. There's many factors, but no one root cause. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so interesting that it could be on either side, either your mom or your dad's side. Uh, right. But there's just no way to know for sure. And also, like, you know, we're living in this age where, like, scientific medicine, you know, is progressing pretty rapidly. A couple generations ago, or even just one generation ago, this idea of, like, oh, I just get boils versus I have HS, you know, this new understanding right. of the same, what could be potentially the same thing. Uh, it's just right. really interesting to think about 
the way that prior generations would have lived with these things because they absolutely existed. Really interesting thing about the history of chronic illness and, and disease. But hearing you talk about your family history makes me realize that, you know, having access to your family history is in a lot of cases a privilege that a lot of people take for granted. So it's right. it's really interesting to not have the opportunity for those questions to be asked now. Right. And as far as I know, like I'm the youngest out of uh three siblings. Like my brother doesn't suffer from HS. My sister doesn't suffer from HS. My mother doesn't suffer from HS. So nobody like in my immediate family suffers from this other than me. And, it, and if they are, they're, they're not bringing it to my attention. And it's kind of like, you should, because everyone knows I speak about this publicly. And that's tough because you want, you want your immediate people to, to recognize what you're going through and find comfort in them. And that, that's not to say that I don't find comfort in them, but it's just strange that I'm able to connect with strangers when it comes to HS because they truly understand what I'm going through. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the power of the internet with chronic illness right. being, being able to connect with other people because you probably went for years without meeting anyone else who lived through no. anything similar. No one. When I was first diagnosed, there was a couple videos on YouTube and I reached out leaving comments and never got any response. And I just was like, always felt alone and isolated and like no one ever understood me. So when I ended up becoming an advocate, I made that like one of my number one rules. Like if someone reach out to you, you respond like mm. that's the responsibility of being an advocate because you remember reaching out, being a younger Joey, Joey reaching out to someone and get no response. And that just made me feel 10 times worse. So I'm like, yeah. if I'm going to take this role as an advocate, that better be your number one priority. Like you respond to these people when you're able to and let them know that you're not alone because you know what it feels like to be like just left on red, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned some, you know, depression and anxiety around this. When was the peak of that? Was it after you were diagnosed before you started to accept the diagnosis? Was it in that period? That's where I would guess just based off what you've told us so far. Yeah, absolutely. So after the diagnosis, because it was like I was in denial and I was still abusing these substances and I just didn't want to accept it. I just didn't want to accept it. I want to be able to hang out with my friends and drink and party and you know, cover it up, hide and be like, there's nothing wrong with me because there was nothing wrong with my friends. But that was just a recipe for disaster. Looking back the way I was living, it was just like not the right way for me to live like that. Yeah. And how did you pull yourself through that anxiety and depression? <laughs> you know, um, I just kind of uh, leaned on my family more. I started to open up. And honestly, I just had to go on with living my life. It may it may sound um, it may sound silly, but like I had responsibilities I had to take care of. You know, I was a young man, but I still held, had to contribute to the household. The, the rent still had to get paid, and uh, food still had to be uh, bought so we can eat every night. So that's what kind of just had me power through in a sense like I still have responsibilities that I had to get done and that 
that's what just kind of kept me from like going into a nosedive and like just just being in a dark cloud a dark space where I couldn't come out of I just I just cared too much about the responsibilities of you know helping my family helping my mother because I didn't want to see my mother struggle and just making sure we we had a, a roof over our head and and food to eat wow and yeah. then once you made these lifestyle changes and started to accept your diagnosis did that right. acceptance process also help with these anxiety and depression feelings yeah absolutely because i was more comfortable with who i was and mm. what i have to do and starting to realize like the way that i was was living it wasn't the right way for me so it definitely started to relieve the the anxiety and depression looking back i wish i would have taken it more serious like the the psychological aspect of mm. hf and reached out to uh a therapist or a psychologist and but I was just so used to like kind of downplaying it because I had to go on with life. It's like it's there's been many times I would be like, it's not that serious, Joe. You're overreacting. And it really was. But I just my main concern was just taking care of my responsibilities. But I used to put my health on the back burner, but the, it's not like that anymore. Like my health comes first. Yeah. Before anything. So and it, yeah, it's it seems like that has brought a lot of happiness with it, you know, a new newfound sense of self-confidence and self-awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is my life's purpose. This is what one thing that used to keep me up at night is what was my direct purpose? Like I always knew my life was purposeful, but I'm the type of person where I feel like I have to have a direct individual purpose. Like what's the purpose for me being here on this planet? And it always revolved around helping people as far as I can remember. And that's how I know, like speaking up and raising awareness for HS is my life's purpose to help people heal emotionally from this chronic illness is because no matter what I do, as far as like taking medications, making lifestyle changes, this is not those things are not going to cure the HS. I'm going to have HS with me for the rest of my life. So I can't give up on these people that need this help because I've had the, the experience of living with this and they can reach out and they can send me a message and let them know that they're not alone. So that's why I feel like raising awareness and helping people heal emotionally is my life's purpose because no matter what I do, there's no escape in HS. So I might as well take the good with the bad. Yeah. And you've gotten better at it. You know, you've, it's Thank a practice. You. It's like you've gotten better at living with this disease and you've learned a lot. And I love that instinct to want to share that. And it's like, it's like if you love a video game and you start making videos about how to get better at it because you've spent thousands of hours playing Hades or something. And you're like, well, here's how you make a good build in Hades. Like you want to share that knowledge. But for you, it's like I've gotten better at living with this disease that I can't uncouple from myself. And by share by sharing that knowledge with someone else like that makes a real difference you know you're helping other people feel less alone you're thinking about yourself back in your early 20s when you just felt like well something's wrong with me we can't fix it and no one else is going through this that's one that's such a lonely feeling you know the, there's right. not many feelings that are more lonely than having a uh, a health issue that you can't talk to anyone else about 
So, you know, by, by channeling that, by getting better at that, channeling that into your work now as an advocate, that's so, it's so powerful. I mean, I'm, I, I can tell from what I've seen on your Instagram that you are making such a positive impact. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, when I started the journey of becoming an advocate, first I was apprehensive, but I, I tell my sister this all the time and I have to credit her. It was her words of encouragement that actually made me break free from um, being in the shell of embarrassment and shame because at the time I was doing YouTube and I was just doing like lifestyle vlogging and she recommended that I speak about my condition. And that was like one of the scariest things that I could ever do. But I've always been a person to be like, accept me who, who, as who I am. And she said, you know, Joe, if you speak about your condition, you'll help so many people and you'll help yourself. It'll be therapeutic in a way. So I sat on the idea for a few weeks. And then one day, one Saturday, I just mustered up the courage. And I was just like, I'm just going to speak straight from the heart and, you know, just put it up, put it out there because this is who I am. And this is holding me back from really being my true self. So I ended up making a video for YouTube speaking about HS. And I had two goals in mind when I made that video. I wanted to reach one person who suffers from HS and have them watch that video and be like, hey, I'm not alone. And if they reach out to me in the comments, I'll respond back and take it from there. You can reach out to me on Instagram. And the second goal was to reach someone who had no idea about HS. And after stumbling upon my video, watching it, hopefully I was able to educate them in some way that there, there are many people out there living with this condition, but it's not sp sp spoken about. And, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hidden for the most part. People, a lot of people are scared to speak about living with HS. Yeah, for any condition that has physical appearance, you know, alteration, right. like any, any condition that can change the way that you look, we live in such a superficial society. People are trained to think that they are less than if they don't look like the most beautiful movie stars on the planet, which is, right. it's horrible. You know, it's, I, I, it took me years to kind of get through that myself too, of feeling like, you know, I have to look like that or I'm bad, you know, and that's just wrong. Right. Um, and like learning to accept yourself, love yourself. It's just so important. Um, but to get up on a public platform when you have a disease that causes physical symptoms and to start to talk about that, like that takes a lot of bravery. You know, that that's something that is very, very difficult to do. And I really commend you for taking that leap. And I can tell just from talking to you for this, you know, for an hour that I've known you, <laughs> that it just like really changed your life for the better to, to, to even kind of like bring in this uh, sense of identity closer together. Because like HS is a part of your identity, whether you want it to be or not, it is, and you can't right. remove that. So by embracing that and by trying to fill in the gaps of care, uh, that you felt growing up with it, you know, you're kind of healing, you are healing yourself in that way, which makes me wonder if you could remove HS from yourself at this point, having done all this work to integrate it into your identity. If someone came up with a pill and said, it's gone, how would you feel? 
That's a great question. I was never asked that question. And I think about that a lot. That's a great question. And me personally, I want it because it made me such a better person. Like, this is my life's purpose. If someone would come up to me and say, you can take this pill and be magically cured from HS. I've shaped my life around this illness so for so many years now. It's like, no, it's manageable for me. Like, that's not for me. It, it, it brings me too much, too many positive things. Yeah, it's tough. It's difficult to live with. But I see the brighter side of as far as like, you know, being disciplined and uh, being a part of a community that actually cares and needs my help because it's, it's just my life purpose. And I wouldn't I wouldn't take it. But that's a great question. I would not take that pill because yeah. it, it shaped my identity. Like you said, it helped shape my identity. And this is who I am. And I'm, if I would take that pill, I'm scared of the fact of who I would become. You know, will I fall into those bad habits again? And just, I think it wouldn't go too well for me, honestly. Wow. That's so interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. I totally understand what you're saying too. I totally get it. Um, can you give us some practical tips for anyone who's listening who has HS? If you have a breakout, what are some things that you do? Are there like, you know, products that you use that are helpful? Um, how do you manage a, a, an active breakout? An active breakout for me, I would definitely clean the flare with uh, antibacterial soap. There's uh, many on the market, but me personally, I just like to use Dial or Dove antibacterial soap. There are stronger antibacterial soaps, but that seems to work for me. And then I'll use antibiotic ointment to put over the wound. Then I'll dress it with a bandage, depending on how bad it is. Sometimes I'll just let it kind of just, uh, I won't wrap it up. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much my, my remedy. Make sure it's clean uh, with antibacterial soap, antibiotic ointment, and depending on how bad the flare is, I'll, I'll reach out to my uh, dermatologist and see if she can prescribe some antibiotics. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a really bad flare in an old location. It had reactivated and I was able to shoot her a text message and she uh, prescribed some antibiotics for me to try to clear up that infection. Do you still use a warm compress? Uh, No. Not as often as I did in the past, no. Hmm. Yeah, that was like before you even knew what was going right. on, you were using that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. How has this impacted your relationships? It sounds like you've gotten a lot of support from your family, uh, but I, I know from personal experience, when you have a chronic illness, it can make you a little gun shy about dating and about right. reaching out to other people, you know, seeking intimacy when you know there's something you have to share that is uncomfortable has that impacted you yes it has and um that's one of the main reasons i speak about this publicly because we're in the day day and age of like most people communicate via social media like you don't even like i don't even remember like if there's a girl that i'm interested in like i'm not going to ask for her number i'm going to ask for like her social media hmm handle you know so my my thinking behind that is like if you follow me on a social media platform and you see that i'm raising awareness for hs and if you're interested enough you're going to, you're 
the person who's interested in me, they're going to do a little bit of research on my condition. And, you know, if that's too much for them to accept, I totally understand, but I put it out there. So that difficult conversation doesn't have to happen right away. Like if you go to my page, you can see I speak about this publicly and I kind of leave the ball in the person in the other person's court. Like if you want to ask me more, I'm, I'm an open book, but I don't feel like I want to shove it down their throat because it's, it's a lot for people to accept. It took me a long time to accept the news, but I do put it out there and just kind of hope, you know, like somebody is going to accept me for who I am because eventually I'm going to have to have this conversation with them. And being that I'm public about it, why not just put it on my social media? So this way, if they're interested, they can ask more and we can build from there. But it definitely impacts my uh, dating life. I'm not currently dating right now. Hopefully things will change in the future. I'm just kind of focused on, you know, my purpose and that's creating content and, you know, connecting with my HS community. And that's very fulfilling. But I would definitely love to have uh, meet a significant other in the future and kind of just open my world to them. And hopefully they'll open their world to me. Well, I'm, I have full confidence that that will happen because everything that you've learned about yourself and how to be kind to yourself and how to treat yourself well, uh, that is going to translate to a relationship. You know, knowing how to treat someone else well. And, and when you have to learn how to accept something about yourself, it makes it so much easier to accept things about other people. And right. everybody has stuff, you know? It looks different for everyone. Like maybe someone has great physical health, but they have some, you know, emotional, mental health uh, challenges. And then like, there's always, there's always something with everyone. But right. when you learn how to accept yourself, you do learn how to accept others as well and recognize that, you know, like when I was younger, like that you fed all these things about like the perfect person that you're going to find. But when I get older, I was like, well, the perfect person is the person where your your stuff lines up you know <laughs> right like the 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 things that make you a challenging person to date are something that that works for that other person and vice versa uh because right. no one is perfect everyone has their stuff their problems their issues their challenges um whether it be health wise or otherwise you know and and the more that you learn how to accept and love yourself it absolutely translates will make you a better partner for sure. And I can just tell you're just like, you have so much warmth and friendliness and you care about other people. And, you know, someone out there is going to end up dating you will be a very lucky person. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that tremendously. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, you're welcome for sure. Okay, I have one more question for you uh, before we wrap up here. So you went through this really awful period where you felt so alone with your disease. Right. Um if you could send a message to yourself back in time, in that point in time, what is it that you would have wanted to hear? I would tell a younger version of myself, you're not alone. And although, you know, people who are around you every day may not understand you, there are people out in the world that do understand what you're going through. And at the end of the day, it's going to be okay. But start to implement these lifestyle changes a little bit earlier and take your health more serious because this is going to be one of the best decisions you ever made with your life to embrace this condition and 
take the bull by its horns. So don't be afraid and just lean more into the illness and get more intrigued about it because this is going to end up being your life's purpose. It's going to be all right. Wow. And can you imagine what you would have thought in your early 20s, this thing that you wanted to do away with right? more than anything, this thing that was causing you to feel so anxious, so alone, so depressed. If you get a message from yourself saying, hey, guess what? That thing is going to be your life's purpose. Like that is what's going to give you meaning in your life. It would have blown your mind. You know, it would have been <laughs> so shocking. And now that you're living that, like you, it's, there is a linear uh, story progression from that person to the person you are now. And it all makes sense. It's like completely legit. And you've changed your life for the better by embracing this thing that you wanted nothing more than to get rid of. And that's incredible. You know, like that takes so much strength, so much patience, self-reflection, discipline, and all those things have made you a better person and made you happier. And it's just, it's so weird that this is how life works. But sometimes right. the, some of the worst things that happen to us are what steer our life in the best direction. Right. A blessing in disguise, as they would say, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I do kind of want to speak about real quickly about some of the common misconceptions. Sure. Yeah, please do. About, uh, so, you know, someone suffering from HS, like, well, someone who doesn't know about HS, they, uh, they might think, you know, this person has an STI or STD because the, the uh, lesions can be in very private, intimate areas. And that's not the case. Like that's, uh, that's a misconception. It's yeah. not true that this person is, uh, don't have any STIs or STDs when it comes to HS. Also, this person is very, can be a clean person. You know, somebody can make, may look at a person who suffers from HS and say to themselves, well, you're, you're not showering enough or you, you're unclean. And that's another misconception. Like I take two showers a day, you know, sometimes three showers a day. So that's just another thing I kind of just want to debunk. Like, you know, it's not your fault. You're not unclean. And those are just like some of the common misconceptions that's affiliated with this illness. It's like, these things are not true. That's so, I'm so glad you brought that up. And that's something I've heard before is like people assuming someone with a skin condition is contagious. Um, right. When, when, Contag it's, yeah, when yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. This is, right. it sounds like potentially genetic. In, in your case in particular, it sounds like it really makes sense that it would be genetic and you can't right. catch a genetic disease. Another uh, misconception is the fact that HS doesn't only happen to women. women. Mm. You know, HS is typically found in women versus men. But, you know, as uh, I, I am a male who suffers from HS, so this does happen to men as well. And I would like to see more men speaking up about living with HS. I have had a few people reach out to me on social media. And it's starting to grow, but I think there's this uh, this negative way of thinking that a lot of guys think that they're weak if they speak about this. Because I, I once used to feel like that, and that's not the case. This is just going to make you uh, even stronger as a man, because a lot of the times a, a lot of guys think um they have to be masculine and macho and not speak about the things that make them vulnerable 
But what I want to highlight is true masculinity doesn't stem from high testosterone levels. It, it, it derives from who you are as a person. Are you reliable? Are you trustworthy? Are you a provider? Can someone go to you in a time of need? That's what true masculinity is. And there's nothing weak about speaking up about when you need help. And I would like to see more men speak about it. And don't be afraid to reach out to me. Send me a private message and we can speak privately about it. Yeah, that's really important. And I think if anything, you've shown that um, it actually takes strength to speak out about about this, you know, that yes. you have built strength by doing so. And I, I think that's such an important thing. Is there anything else that we've missed about HS that you'd like to cover? Uh, not that I think of. I think we pretty much did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. You did a, such a great job. I, I've had so much fun talking to you today. I've learned a ton. This was a disease I'd never heard of. And now I feel so much more educated. So if I ever come across someone who lives with this disease, I will, I will know a little piece about what they might be going through. And that is so valuable. So I really appreciate right. that. Uh, please tell us where we can go to find you online. Where do you advocate um, any, any projects or social media you'd like to share? Right. So you can follow me on Instagram at Joey Tory 718. That's J O E Y T O R R E 718 on Instagram. Instagram is mainly my main hub where I do a lot of advocate work on there. And also I create content on hsdisease.com. I write articles, but most of the time I do videos. I'm a big video guy, so I'll speak about my experience with uh, HS, some of my favorite products that I use to help keep, to, to help manage my HS as well. So head over to hsdisease.com. That's a real great community. I create content on there as well, the, as well as many other beautiful content creators who speak about their HS experience. And it's just so interesting because every time I go to that website, it's just like there's always new information that I learned myself and I've been living with this disease for over 15 years. So you're not alone. Head over to Instagram, reach out to me over there or reach out to me on hsdisease.com. Awesome. And I will tag you on Instagram when I uh, post this podcast up. Thank you. I'm so looking forward to it. This was a great experience. I appreciate you reaching out. And like I said earlier, this is a great uh, podcast you came up with such a brilliant idea. And I wish nothing but the best for you. And I hope it, takes you as far as you want to go with it because this is definitely needed for the world oh thank and you that, that that means a lot thank you so much and i you know i feel the same way about what you're doing with your advocacy um you know w what a gift to give back to the community and to help other people feel less alone so important i'm so i'm, I'm so glad to hear that it has kind of changed your own relationship with your disease for the better i think that's so powerful so um thank you Joey, amazing job today. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your story with us. You did such a fantastic job. You must be hungry because you waited to eat <laughs> so you could rest before the podcast. So I hope you get a, uh, a good meal. But Joey, thank you so much for your time today. Anytime. And don't be afraid to reach out to me in the future. You want to work again? I'm here. I'm just one message away. And thank you for your time as well, Jesse. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, 
available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash Pain Podcast.